Don't you just love it when you can confidently say that someone has your back? Hi, Dave Lee here, and that's the feeling I have with UCARE. Anytime I call them up with a Medicare question, I know without a doubt that a real person will answer, and they will work through my issues no matter how long it takes, and they won't hang up until I completely understand what's going on. Their people and customer service are second to none, and it's why UCARE has people-powered health plans. Don't hesitate to reach out to UCARE for help. Learn more at UCARE.org slash Medicare. This paid endorsement brought to you by UCARE. Today on my first concert. And we went, I went back, you know, I went back and, you know, rest is history. I mean, that record was number one in 68 countries, I believe. Yeah. Um, You know, it knocked Paul McCartney off the, off the number one slot. I mean, it was, it was a big deal. So. Yeah, yeah, kid from St. Cloud knocks off one of the Beatles. Well, well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me. I was playing. Tour. It was part of a group. Yeah, yeah. why well, I, I was. Well, welcome back, everybody. Davide, our producer, Dave here. Good to have you back. Our thanks to our sponsors bringing to the show today with a very special Minnesota guest, Bobby Vandell. Now, a lot of you have seen Bobby through a series of bands. Uh, also, if you're a, a, a Merle Haggard fan, I want to ask him about that as well, of which I was and still am. And it's all brought to you today by the folks at Propane. I have a great message to tell you about here in just a few minutes. By AquariusHomeServices.com from the AquariusHomeServices.com studios. By StarBank, our bank here at Talk North. Go to StarBank.net. By UCARE. And welcoming Chan Hassan, DT.com, to the family as well. There's some great concerts out there, and I'll tell you more about those in just a second. But a special thank you to our guest, Bobby Vandell, for joining us. Bobby, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, man. Well, you're, you're still playing. You are just playing the other night. I know you were doing a gig out in Wisconsin and uh, keeping busy. But before I talk about your music experience, let me ask you about concerts. The title of the podcast is My First Concert. What was what was the first one you attended? Do you remember? Yeah, I I mean I, I suppose it would be, I I was born and raised in St. Cloud, so we had a couple colleges there, so I was lucky enough to get exposed to a lot of concerts that were you know coming into my town, and um, the very first one probably I want to talk about too because they're both really important. The very first one was probably a folk band by the name of the Bondsman. Um, the Kingston Trio was really big back then. People, a lot of people don't remember that, but the Kingston Trio were were huge, and yeah. and and folk music was big in the in the early '60s. And these guys were kind of a Kingston Trio wannabe. And I had supportive parents, and they took me to an auditorium at the college to see the Bondsman, and I, I it it made an effect on me, you know, as all first concerts do. But shortly after that, um, I believe it was after that. My mother took me to see Cannonball Adderley in West Montgomery at the same auditorium. And so I, I would say that that was the first concert that really made a huge impact on me. Did you want to perform after you saw those acts? You know, every live music, uh, every live music uh, experience I had made me want to perform. It didn't matter what it was, whether it was a concert or whether it was a band. Uh, under a tent somewhere, you know, I, I had, I, live music was like a magnet to me Mm -hmm. back then as a kid. I didn't care where it was. If I heard it, I just went directly there. 
uh, it just drew me. I was drawn to live music. I was drawn to live musicians creating music in front of other people. It was, it was astounding to me. I, it was like magic to me. And, you know, frankly, it, it still is. Well, you've worked uh, so many shows. You're still working, as I mentioned. But did you, did you ever or do you ever have opportunities to go watch bands anymore? I, I do all the time. You know, we, uh, we go down to the Dakota all yeah. the time to see people. Um, just was down there recently, um, seeing some live music. I mean, whatever, you know, whatever's good. I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm down at, uh, bunkers on Wednesday, seeing, uh, Dylan Selfer now new upcoming guitar player. That's just a monster. And, uh, I got a chance to play with him the other night in a show out of town. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, that's inspiring to me. Going to going to hear live music is inspiring to me. You know, it's interesting, Bobby. We're kind of from the same era, and, and the Tonight Show was huge. Yeah, and they had a drummer named Ed O'Shaughnessy. I remember sure. him. And, and did guys like that have any influence on you? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, the Johnny Carson show was huge for me. I would go down in, in the basement of my my parents' home and turn on the TV and watch Johnny just about every night. Mm -hmm. And I'd wait. It's it's this is really funny. I'd I'd wait for. Uh, the outro where where Johnny went to advertisement because the the band would play him <laughs> yes, off yeah. and there was always somebody taking a solo mm -hmm. and I my I heard this saxophone player that was blowing my mind and I heard him all the time and I I I, I waited for Johnny to go off to, to 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 go to advertisement so I could hear the saxophone player and most of the time it was Tommy Peterson who I would you know I'm I'm 14 years old. I'm 12, 13, 12 years old, maybe, l listening to Tommy Peterson in the basement in my St. Cloud home. I had no idea that I would end up not only meeting him, but, you know, being working with all of the Petersons. You know, Tommy was just part of the Peterson family, and, and they became part of my family. So that was really cool. Yeah, no I, I, I didn't. I had no idea who he was, but I was mind-blown by him. I mean, he just... His saxophone playing blew me away. That whole band blew me away. Yeah, there's a lot of talent in there. Very for sure. exciting. And Doc you know, still comes to town on occasion. And big band music is so exciting. You know, it, it, my dad used to take me to to he'd drop me off at the prom ballroom to go see the Buddy Rich Orchestra. You oh, know, Buddy I, Rich! I mean, wow. I, yeah. if you don't, when you sit in front of a big band like that, you you know you're alive. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, you know you're alive. Uh, Bobby mentioned age 14. I'm going to ask him about his, as a performer when he first performed, which I think was pretty close to that age, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Bobby Vandell. Lots to talk about here on my first concert today. Dave and Davide here with you. Great to have you with. And our thanks to our friends over at AquariusHomeServices.com. Jeff and his crew have known for several decades. They do great work. By the way, I do want to mention that they do have right now at Aquarius Home Services fantastic news. They're having a Connecticut midsummer mega sale. And this is worry-free water, spotless dishes, softer clothes, purified drinking water. Just read an article in the paper today about uh, our drinking water. And I would suggest you call them and say, hey, I, I'm reading about contaminants in my water. What can you do? And I think you'll be quite impressed. I know you will be. But right now, 25% off Connecticut whole home water treatment systems. That's what I have at my home. And when I think about your daily life, water's one of the keys, probably the most important thing when you get up in the morning and whether you're drinking it or cooking with it or showering with it, 
find out more about that. By the way, we also have some air quality issues going on right now. And on top of the heat, that can make being outside a challenge. So it's more important than ever to protect the indoor air quality inside your home. And at Aquarius Home Services, they have a variety of indoor air quality solutions that'll reduce and remove allergens, which has been a big deal for me, dust, mold, viruses, bacteria, and humidity. And so find out about what they go going there with a special deal on that as well. AquariusHomeServices.com. Jeff and his staff, they're awesome people. Bobby Vandell is with us at my first concert. Bobby, okay, let's go back to, was it age 14 when you first performed or was it before that? Yeah, about that, you know, I, I wrote up my first contract when I was 14, my first musician's <laughs> wow. uh, union contract, yeah. And I, I started started working um, um, in, you know, bands I would put together, or, you know, our, our, my, my pals, we'd put together sure. bands and, Go out and work. We wrote a letter uh, to um, all the high schools and all the junior highs all over the state and <laughs> announced our band and said, we'd love to come and work at your school. And by God, we got some answers. And we'd go out on weekends. We had one 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 friend that was a little bit older, and he owned a van and a PA, and he was our best friend, you know. <laughs> sure. I tell you what, you own a van and a PA at that age, you're you're in the band, you you're know. The guy. <laughs> yeah, you're the guy, you know. So yeah, we we drove around the state and did did gigs, you know. I was making a hundred dollars a night when I was fourteen, and my friends had paper routes, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it it was uh, it's it was an intoxicating thing to get involved in at that age uh yeah about the time you start liking girls too that well you know i i, I wasn't gonna say that but you know you, you start every every boy wants to uh you know wants attention from the opposite sex and it yep. was it was uh and that was a, a perk as well so you know it was it's a win-win <laughs> you know i'm thinking about drum sets uh and you know growing up in that era uh, the Ed Sullivan show would have, for example, when the Beatles came on. And if mm. I remember right, and you know it far better than I do, Ludwig, I yeah. think, was on their drum set. Of course, did yeah. That, so how did you choose drums, or did you say, I want the drums that Ringo uses? Or? You know, I, I think those are images, you know. Uh, I think people get too wrapped up in, in names of the labels that are on, on instruments or on cars or on whatever, you know. But yeah, when you're that age, it's exciting. It's fun, you know. Well, yeah, I mean that's why companies endorse artists is because they, they they put their name on it, and the kids that love that artist are going to buy that name. So, yeah, I mean, I I thought that was cool. I it I wasn't over. It didn't freak me out or anything. But I, of course, Ludwig was a real quality drum set back then, mm -hmm. along with uh, Slingerland and and Gretsch. Um, th those were kind of the 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 forerunners back then and and you know yeah what, what do you use now i've got too many drum sets <laughs> you know i i've got a a, a round badge set of gretsch with, and uh, a lot of people don't know what that means but when when gretsch um, first started they, their badges on their drums were round and they go back to the to the 50s the early 50s and and that's what uh charlie watts played and and they're kind of a lot of jazz players like the old Gretsch drums, and I've got a set of those, and I've got a set of Yamaha, and I got a set of Ludwig's, old Ludwig's. I've got a set of Rogers. I got too many drums. <laughs>
<laughs> but but they're all a write-off, so that part's good. Right? Well, yeah, they're yeah. a write-off. Yeah, yeah. They're, but you can only play one set at a time. When you, <laughs> that's a good point. You know, uh, we're talking with Bobby Vandell. As a matter of fact, when when we come back, I want to ask Bobby about uh, some of the bands he's been in, and and it's been a lot. But uh, uh, TC Jammers, many of you, I think, still remember them quite well. But there was a band before that that I think was, uh, pardon the expression, instrumental in your career, to say the least. No doubt. He is Bobby Vandell. We'll talk about Doug Maynard and some others here in just a minute. Our show brought to you uh, today by our, fo- our friends at propane.com. And I would ask you this. Are you prepared for power outages at your home or business? The North American Electric Reliability Corporation has issued its highest alert ever. This is interesting. The Minnesota Propane Association wants you to know that installing a propane generator will ensure peace of mind when the power goes out. Also, the same propane that does power your generator can also power all the major appliances in your home with on-site stored energy independent of the grid. That is a really important part of this. Installing propane appliances instead of electric appliances in your home or business will also reduce the size and cost of a generator as well. So imagine running all your gas appliances at one time versus picking and choosing which electric ones to run during a power outage. It's reliable. It's affordable. It's safe. It's propane. The energy for everyone. Now to find out more, and I would suggest you find out about their website because there's a lot of stuff on there that you may not know uh, about generators and about propane appliances, go to propane.com. Bobby Vandell, let's talk about um, the TC Jammers people know about. Lamont Cranston, uh, I want to ask you about Lip Sync and all the things that have happened with gold records and that sort of thing. But let's go back to Doug Maynard in, in those days. What did that mean to you? Tell us more about that band. You know, it was a, um, it, when I first moved to, to, to Minneapolis from St. Cloud, you know, it was a, I just cold came down here. I didn't have any work or anything. I just came and, and um, I got some work playing, playing with certain people and, uh, make starting to make a little bit of money, and um, I was playing in a, in a duo, an organ. It was just me and an organ player over in St. Paul. I got some great stories about that gig. <laughs> There's some really funny, funny things coming uh, in in my head about that gig. I should probably tell you about. But but one night, a, a couple guys came in, and I was singing. The organ player didn't sing, so I was playing drums, and I was doing all the singing. A couple guys came in, and I recognized them. They were from a very, very popular band in town called Passage, who were uh, formerly Al Jarreau's band. A lot of the members uh, had a connection with Al Jarreau. And these guys were were the top of the the heap. They were the, the to me, they were the the finest band in town. They were, they were some of the greatest musicians in town. A lot of musicians used to come out to hear passage, you know, cause they were so good. And they, they approached me that night and they said, we'd like to talk to you about something. So, you know, give us your phone numbers. They called the next day. They wanted me to be the lead singer in passage, not the drummer. They wanted me to be lead singer. I, I had never been a lead singer and um, I knew who the lead singer was. His name was Doug Maynard. And Doug was was a, a kind of an iconic name here in town uh, for a good reason. And, you know, I ended up taking the job and I ended up being the lead singer in Passage along with a, another young lady named Gwen Matthews. 
and uh, Rich Dworsky was the was the keyboard player who went on to play with Prairie Home Companion for so many mm-hmm. years, and uh, Bobby Schnitzer uh, was playing guitar, graduated from the University of Miami with a major in music, and um, uh, Creeper Colonel, Bruce Colonel was, was in the band. Um, phenomenal musicians, really great musicians. So I, I stayed with them for a long time, and that was a, that was a big deal. Um, Doug Maynard came to my first gig, sat in the front row, and stared up at me. And I was already nervous about being a lead singer. And now? And now the guy that I replaced uh, came to the gig. And I figured, you know what? I got one of two things. I can either be scared of him and walk away, or I can try to embrace him and become friends. And I, I chose the latter, and it worked. You know, we became great friends. And so that led to me playing drums in the Doug Maynard band eventually. Um, which was a very, very popular, another very popular band in town. Ricky Peterson was in that band. Um, two great vocalists, Margaret Cox and Melanie Rosales. Two great guitar players, Jeff Boucher and John De La Salva. Dick Headland, a, a very uh, known record producer here in town, was in the band. Steve Raitt was running the band, Bonnie Raitt's brother. So I played in that band, and that was really a another highlight. Yeah, a musician's band almost. It was. Well, they all were. Passage yeah. was that. Doug Maynard band was that. And then, you know, Doug had some personal issues that we don't need to get into, but he ended up quitting the band. And Steve Raitt was the one that said, why don't we just keep it going and call it the TC Jammers? And so that's what happened. Let me just go back quickly to the organ player and you and yeah. what what i mean maybe a story or two but what kind of music were you two playing well and you're um, singing you're you're you playing drums yeah I'm playing and drums. he's playing the organ uh this guy i can't remember his name he was from brainerd and i loved him he was just a sweetheart we had a blast together i i wish i could remember that guy's name he he was marvelous and we had a lot of fun together um what was the set list like well, just you know, pop music, yeah, okay. music of the day, mm-hmm. um, some some organ oriented music like Spencer Davis or you know some of that older stuff, old R and B stuff. Yeah, and I was just singing all the tunes. He didn't sing. <laughs> he loved me because you know <laughs> I played drums and sang. He could just play bass and play organ. You know, we we had a good thing going. And then we went up to Brainerd and worked at some resorts up there, and and uh, yeah. How much did you freestyle? Was was there the set list always? Did you play by it, or did you kind of explode once in a while with all these bands? You know, he would just start playing, and and I would just follow, and 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 eventually I figured out what he was doing, and I started to sing the tunes. You know, um, it just kind of fell together. We never rehearsed. And that's how it worked. You know, man, we did it right in front of the, the crowd. Whatever. Yeah, wow. it, well, there wasn't much of a crowd. It was just a little bar in St. Paul, you know, but we were having a blast, man. Yeah. Well, that's the half. Well, you've always been passionate about this, haven't oh, you? Oh, God. I mean, a passion yeah. is, is the biggest word. Has it ever been a job to you? No. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, that's an interesting question because a lot of musicians uh, 
say, I'm going to go out and play tonight. I'm playing somewhere. I always used to use the word work because the, because it lended, it lent more credibility to what I did. Yeah. It, 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 it made people realize that this is my job. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing. I'm this, this is work. This is my, this is what I do for a living. I had, a, I grew up with a kid down the block that was a little bit older than me and he got a job with the Glenn Miller orchestra oh, when wow. he was very young. About 16 years old, he went out on the road with Glenn Miller. Wow. And, and he was a large influence on me when I was a kid because he, he looked at it. He practiced 10 hours a day. He played trombone. And he, I would hear him in the neighborhood practicing all the time. And so he was a big influence on me. When he, when he, he used to use all the hip words like, like hip, you know, like that was a hip word, you yeah, know, like those cats. he used to yeah. use, use all these cool words. And, yeah. and I used to kind of emulate what he did. And he, he would refer to it as work. Well, I'm, I'm going out on the road. I got to work, you know, I'm going to work. And, and I always adopted that, uh, because I think it lends credibility to what you do mm-hmm. because in America, as opposed to Europe, you know, arts are not considered to be a viable way of making living um and and they they don't get the respect that they do in europe so um i wanted i always felt that that was a good way to go to refer to what i do as work tc jammers how often were you playing you know back then with the doug manor band passage tc jammers we were it was a great era it was a great era. We were, we were probably all working 26, 27 nights a month. Mm. You know, we were working all the time, all the time. You know, we just didn't, went from one gig to another. Yeah. And you had to show up. I think sometimes it's easy for us as fans. You're going to see your favorite band, but, you know, somebody might not feel well. Something personal might be going on. But when, sh- when the show starts, you got to kick it in, don't you? Yeah, I I missed very few gigs, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it drove me. I was always, uh, you know, I was kind of a jock too, so I had that going for me. Yeah, hockey, uh, right? I, I played hockey all my life. Yeah. I still do. Um, so it, it helped. It helped me. You know, I had a few years there where I kind of took a a left turn, but thankfully I got out of that and yeah. got back on the ice and and uh, you know kept kept the road kept going down the road but yep hockey players are workers um and um, also pretty good golfers you know i i wish that was true in my case <laughs> I, I i'm i'm a southpaw uh you know, I, I play hockey left-handed i play i i swing a golf club left-handed people ask me if i'm a golfer i said yeah i own a set of clubs <laughs> i'm a golf club owner <laughs> That's, that's more of what I am. Uh, that's a good uh, response. I, I was. My, I used to have a father-in-law who he was a very nice man. His name was Bob Nordstrom, and he was the uh, golf pro at um, um, down here at a, a city city course. I can't remember the name of it. South Minneapolis. And he was unbelievable. He'd throw down twenty balls and he'd hit them all, and it, and they'd all do the same thing. That every time he hit it, yeah. It, they'd do the same thing. They'd I hate go, guys like that. They yeah. go within three or four feet of each other, and, and I, I just uh, I, and that's what it is. It's yeah. just mechanics, and you just repeat the motion. And I didn't have, I don't have time to 
No. Y- you know to do it. No. Yeah. But golf is more of a hang for me. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky Ricky and it's Ricky the, and I go out, or Matt Fink, or some some of us, and we go out. And it's the group just, you're with. We just hang and laugh, you yeah. know. Bobby Van Dal is our guest, and uh, we're going to ask Bobby about lip sync when we come back here as well. A lot of a lot of things to cover here, and it's great to have you with on the podcast. Uh, My first concert downloaded on Spotify, on Apple, uh, TalkNorth.com, wherever you get your podcasts. As we continue to uh, look into Minnesota music and some of the people that have made it such an iconic place for all sorts of music. And Bobby's a great case of of, uh, uh, of kind of embracing all sorts of music. And so I'll ask him about that, too, because he does a uh, tribute to Merle Haggard that's pretty impressive. Our friends at Star Bank are making this possible. It's really cool to talk about Star Bank. Local bank, Minnesota Bank, started right here in rural Minnesota. Now they're certainly all over, including right here in the Twin Cities Metro. But... Um, they answer their phone there when you call them. Real people talk to you. And when you walk in and you want to talk about a loan, it's pretty quick. Not a lot of red tape, to be honest about it. No monkey business. They just get it done. And you know why they get it done? It's because they've done this uh, in these small communities for years. They just know how to do it. The thing is, you have the same family, ownership group. And they're running it just like a family-owned business should be run. They're really good. I, I just encourage you. If it's a loan need you need right now, Star Bank will take care of that. Uh, they'd love to see you. They're, uh, I guess, doing banking, kind of how it should be, right? And so if you want to do the apps, you want to do the high-tech stuff, which I think we all do, and I do, and you do, you could do that. They have all of that. But it's really cool to call them once in a while. Very fun to walk in there and chat with them. You come back a second time, they're going to know who you are. And I think you're going to know who you dealt with, too, at starbank.net. That's the website. Check it out. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender in our bank here at talknorth.com. Okay, Bobby Vandell, Lip Sync. Boy, they came out and made a huge impression, of course, and had uh, a great – but everybody was talking about them. Uh, the video was big. You were a member of that band. I, I was. It was a trip how that happened, too. I I was up at Lake Arrowhead. I moved to Los Angeles in about 1978, 79. Um, had nothing. Moved out there. Ended up working with a neighbor of mine up in Lake Arrowhead, and I was – I was up there playing with him, and the waitress came up to me and gave me a note on break. Uh, the, I don't know how he found me, but Steve Greenberg found me up at that up up in that remote nightclub at the top of the mountain in Lake Arrowhead, and it was a note to call him collect. Of course, obviously we're we're before cell phones, you yep. know. We, we I don't know how he found me, but I called called him collect, and he said. He said, I want you to, to come back to Minneapolis, you know, play in my, my band, Lip Sync. I, I said, well, why? You know, why do you want me to do that? <laughs> he said, well, I've got a, a hit record, you know, it's called Funky Town. I said, uh, you know, I don't. I, at that time, I did not listen to pop radio. I listened to, to no. jazz and, and blues, and I, I didn't listen to pop radio at all. Uh, he said, Bobby, when you get back down to L.A., turn the radio on. And, and listen to pop, you know, listen to the pop station. He gave me the, the one to listen to. And I turned it on, and I think every fifth song was Funky Town. Yeah. And I was just like going, what the, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> you know? And and I remember when we recorded it, I mean, I was hanging around the session, and I was playing, you know, messing around with, with Steven's session on that lip sync record. and. Long story short, it, you know, I mean, 
I didn't believe him. I thought, what, you know, the next day I get a call from the bank down in Hollywood. I'm living in Hollywood. Bank down the block calls me and said, we've got a cashier's check here for you. And I went down there and it was for $6,000 <laughs> to buy buy cases and and pack, put my drums on on an airplane and go back to, you know, in wow. 1979, six grand is yeah. a lot. It's a lot of money right now, you know. <laughs> And we went, I went back, you know, I went back and, you know, rest is history. I mean, that record was number one in 68 countries, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, it knocked Paul McCartney off the, off the number one slot. I mean, it was, it was a big deal. So yeah. yeah. Kid from St. Cloud knocks off one of the Beatles. Well, well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, but, it wasn't me. I was playing. True. It was part of a group. But, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was, and it was exciting. You know, it was it was exciting. You you spend you spend your your childhood, a lot of your young years playing, playing other people's music in clubs, and the dream is to always play your own music in clubs. You sure. know, a band that you're in that has its own hit. You know, and so that was my, really my first experience doing that, and it, it was exciting. And it, they weren't clubs. You know, they <laughs> well, were, you were playing in front of massive crowds. Well, you? we yeah, we we were we were we went down to Mexico City, and I mean, it was just like insane. It was insane. It was like the Beatles. You know, it was like autographs, people waiting in line for autographs, and hundreds of thousands of people in bull rings and all sorts. It was whacked out. Yeah, you know. What an experience, though. Yeah, it was uh, absolutely, absolutely, it was fun. How many gold records now do you did you end uh, up with? I've got five, wow. and uh, including one platinum, which should be about twenty times platinum. It's the one for Funky Town, but uh, the record company stuff prevented it from being uh, that business got in the way of that. But anyway, yeah, five. So that's good. Not competing with the petersons yet but <laughs> but uh you know that's one area i don't i i don't talk about much well you're very humble and i but i but i want to bring it up because i'm it, proud of i'm proud of it i'm i'm just a kid from st cloud i didn't i didn't uh have the musical parents that that they did you know so it was a different environment for me and i'm i'm very proud of what i've accomplished but i know you're also proud of uh minnesota musicians I am. I mean, I'm. I'm such a fan of of this. All the musicians from this state, from my. I take a lot of pride in being from Minnesota, and you know, I was really proud of Prince when he accomplished what he did. You know, when we were playing around in the TC Jammers and the Doug Maynard Band, he was. He would come to our gigs, sit in all the time, and steal our players. Next <laughs> next day, we'd realize that we had one less player, and I'm. I'm like, oh, let me guess. <laughs> Prince, you know, yeah. I mean, he would and the same thing happened down at the at bunkers with with when we first started Dr. Mambo's combo, you know, all of a sudden band members were gone off working with him, you know. He knew where to go to get the players. You know what was interesting to me too and you mentioned Prince and I remember talking to Mick Sterling about this shortly after it happened and you were in that band at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater. Can you I tell was, us that and, story? And what happened? I, I was. And, and you know, that's a really bittersweet moment because I didn't, I, I don't profess to be friends, a, a good friend of Prince's. I didn't work with him 
directly like many people did. I was never on his payroll, but we knew each other from day one. We, we knew about each other from when he first got his contract. So we knew each other a long time. And he would come in and sit in, and he always gave me a great vibe and a great smile. And he, uh, it, he just had respect just coming out of him. I, I could tell that he respected me. And I, obviously, I'd, I gave the, back, the same back to him. But, you, you know, it, as years went on, I just had so much respect for what he accomplished. I never drove by Paisley Park without looking over and just thinking about that is a young kid from North Minneapolis who had nothing, who m- created that all by himself. And it was just, it, it was, it's so amazing when you think about it. It's emotional. I, I get emotional talking about it because I was so proud of him. And, and so it, when he came into Chanhassen Dinner Theater one night, I was doing a, a Ray Charles tribute with Mick Sterling. And, and he looked at me and gave me that familiar smile all the time. And he grabbed, grabbed our guitarist guitar and, and started to play with us. And it was not the first time, but I just felt something different that night. Hmm. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't put my finger on it. I just couldn't. It, it seemed, it just seemed out of character for him that night. Something was askew. And it, it turned out to be that he was, you know, I always feel like he kind of came, came by to say goodbye. And he died shortly after that. And it was so, it was a, it, it's something I'm proud of. I actually ended up being the last drummer to play with him live which is very odd because he had such a list of of incredible drummers over the years i was not one of them but i ended up being the last one and and maybe there there was a reason for that you know i don't i don't know i mean maybe he was just kind of going back in time to say goodbye or whatever i don't know i i i believe in things like that so maybe that was it but I, so for me, it's a, it's a proud moment, but it's a very sad moment too. You know, and again, back to talking about Minnesota musicians and your respect for your, your counterparts out there. And he seemed to have that same thing too, that he would show up, as you said, at Bunkers or wherever, or, or Chanhassen or at Dakota. I know he'd sit up in the balcony mm-hmm. at Dakota. Mm-hmm. And he, he just wanted to listen to musicians. I, I've told this, I haven't told this story before, but I had a friend who was on with us who was a secu- working security, East St. Paul kid. We've been friends forever, and I didn't know this story until about 20 years <laughs> after I knew him. But he's working security for the Michael Jackson concert. Might have been 84, I'm not sure when it was. Michael was here for several nights. And his job that night, uh, this the head of the security came over and told him, okay, you're going to be on the soundboard. When the lights go down and Michael's ready to come out, you're going to go out to a limo outside of the building. And I don't know if it was at the Civic or if it was at uh, the Met Center, wherever it was. Sure. And you are going to go in that limo and you're going to put Prince in one of the roadie crates for cables and stuff. He'll get in there. You're going to wheel him into the soundboard in the dark, when, you know, in the dark so no one sees him. And then when the music starts... He's gonna come out of the, out of that crate, and he wants to watch the show at the soundboard with you, so no one, so he doesn't disturb the show. Of course. 
And um, I also, I mean, that, I mean, obviously he didn't want to take away from Michael's performance, but the fact that he liked to do that for Minnesota musicians always impressed me that he wanted to see guys like you and Mick and whoever it might be, Dr. Mambo's combo and the jammers, whoever, and just observe. And like you said, maybe steal one of the musicians. Right, right. But, but no, great but, respect. But, but, but no, you're right. It, it, it was more because he was a consumer as much as he was a performer. We all are. All mm -hmm. great musicians get inspired from seeing other musicians. And, and, and that's just the way it is. And, and we're, we're, we're addicts to live music. We're, we're all, all the good musicians are addicts to live music. They, they, they are inspired by going to see other people. And that's a beautiful story you just told about him being in the case and, com and coming out because it, that's the way he was. He didn't want to, to make him be the focal point of the show you know he he would go to to the dakota he'd go in the kitchen door he'd walk around the side nobody would see him he'd go up the back stairs and he had a table in the balcony right right there so he would come in contact with no one and that's the way he wanted it and and he didn't want the musicians to feel nervous or you know his last the last show that i believe he saw live ricky and i used happened to be there um, it was at the Dakota. We were sitting right below him. It was Liz Wright. And Liz, I don't know if you're familiar with Liz Wright, but she's an extremely uh, inspirational, spiritual singer. She's she's a kind of a gospel singer, marvelous, special vocalist. And Prince did one thing that night that I've never never seen him do. He stayed through the encore. Hmm. And, and usually he would duck out before the last tune and so he could get out he didn't do that last that night he stayed till the end and that i believe was the last live show he saw hmm. wow but i love your story i didn't mean to get off that that's a great story that's kind of who he was yeah it's really it's nice it's nice to hear that but again yeah. I, I just great music in this town and, it, and and Bobby, you're part of that. I, I think it was a special place. It yeah. still is, but it, but back then it was really a special place. Yeah, he is uh, Bobby Vandal. He is our guest today, a, a singer, drummer, and and now he does some. I don't know how often he's doing the Merle Haggard thing, but I'm going to ask him about it when we come back here on the show and uh, and just try to find out what's going on with Bobby and the future. Our thanks to all of our sponsors for making this possible today. And for the folks out at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater, welcome aboard. In fact, pretty excited. I'll be talking to Mary Jane Alm coming up in a few weeks, and she is going to do uh, songs and stories from 50 years of music out at that little concert stage, which is awesome, by the way, for acoustics. If you're a fan of music, they have concerts there all the time. But that'll be Saturday and Sunday, July 29th and 30th, I believe, are the dates. She is so good, legendary again. Uh, you know, all the people we've talked to on the show, and our thanks to Davide for lining much of this up. And then they got more coming up after that. They got a tribute to Dave Matthews Band uh, by Warehouse on August 4th and 5th, Magic Carpet Ride, which you know right there. That's the music of San Francisco 1967, the Summer of Love, they called it. That's August 6th, and so many more. And also on the main stage, Michael Brindisi, who's a talented, talented uh, director to say the least. Uh, he has brought in Jersey Boys. Now, if you've never seen it, 
I, you're going to be overwhelmed. If you look at the reviews, I actually looked at them a few uh, days ago. I didn't. There were no bad ones that I know of. Everything is so good. It's about Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. It's a heck of a story. There's a lot to it. The music, it's like sitting around a jukebox, frankly. So I'd go to ChanhassenDT.com. Check out the comedy club and all the things they have going on out there. It's just a really great place. And Mary Jane Alm coming up here at the end of the month. So just a few of the reasons to attend Chanhassen Dinner Theaters. Go to ChanhassenDT.com. It's that easy. Bobby Vandal is with us. Bobby, this isn't about me, and I forgive me, but the first concert I ever took my wife to as my as a girlfriend, this was a this was really a, I mean, we knew it was going to work or not work when I took her to this one <laughs> because I like Merle Haggard and country music to her was like, mm, no, thanks. Yeah. So I said, you know, I said, he's got to me, he's got this bluesy feel. He's got this great country. I said, he, I just, there's something about him I think is unique. And so I brought her to Merle Haggard first, one of our very first dates. How'd that go, Dave? Well, 44 years later, it's worked out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> But I don't. I don't think she's been to another country concert since. But the, <laughs> but what I, I bring it up for is because um, you do a Merle Haggard tribute. Well, and how I, in the heck did that happen? Well, I you know, first of all, I I grew up with, with and I use the term "grow up" very loosely because I, <laughs> I don't know that, that that's ever happened, and I'm proud of it. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, as a kid, my my parents were were both music lovers. My my father would listen to a lot of country music. So I had country music in the house going on, Merle, George Jones, Buck Owens, all that old stuff. And and my mother was a, a classical and jazz and piano, and, and her, her and her sisters would sing all the time. They'd sing three-part harmony, and my mom would play piano. So I, I, had, I had that going on. I had the jazz thing going on, the big band thing going on, and, and all this bombarded by music. And... I really, there was something about Merle Haggard that stuck, stood out to me. Just like you said, Dave, I mean, he's a, such a, first of all, what a marvelous voice. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a more beautiful voice, beautiful sounding voice in, in any genre of music. I mean, Merle had a, was, was gifted with a, a wonderful voice his, and his writing was, was, uh, so down mm -hmm. to earth and and so real, um, you know. They call that music three chords and the truth, and that's that's what old country music is. And so I always loved him, and I, I made my career playing drums. I accomplished more playing drums than anything, but I always loved to sing because of my mom. And you know, my first job here was as a lead lead vocalist, and. Um, so I, I thought, you know, I, I thought I'd do a tribute to Merle and I, it was going along, <laughs> it was going along really well. And, and wouldn't you know it that out of all the guys I chose, I, I chose, I, I, this is just uh, so weird to me. I, I worked so hard on the tribute and I got my first gig under my belt. I sold out the main room at, at uh, Crooners, all my friends. God bless them. They they bought tickets and came, and my family and, and everyone that was there. And, and I I got home and I was, you know, having a drink the next night. And 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 the, 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 that night and the next morning, my phone rang, and it was the attorney for the Merle Haggard estate, who was who was calling to tell me to immediately 
cease and desist my project or I would be I would be sued. Wow. And you know, I've got Mick Sterling's out doing like how many tributes and how many tribute shows are there in the world? Oh yeah. And, well, and it's I hot right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I choose the one guy <laughs> that that whose estate it's Merle's yeah. last wife and she's and I ended up talking to Merle's son and he said, "Man, you 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 just can't talk to her. She's nobody in my family likes her, you know." And she just she's running the estate. Merle left her the estate and they shut me down. Wow. And uh, I I got my attorney, I called attorneys and they said, yeah, you can go on and do the show. But they said, you know, you could be 20, 30 shows down the road and and they could sue you for all the money that you've made up to that point. And you might win, you probably will win, but you'll spend all that money on attorney fees winning. So I, I slept on it and I just said, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm, I'm out. So yeah, I, I, after my first show, I just, I got, I, I backed out and said, I can't, can't use his name. I can't use his likeness. I can't use it. If I can't do that, I can't do the show. So I, I rebranded to the real men of country Yeah, and it just never really took on to, you know, like, like the Merle thing was going and. I couldn't win. Wow, that's crazy. I did it, not know that. Yeah, that's Man. what happened. Wow. Yeah, because all I can do is kind of <laughs> laugh about it now. So yeah. that's we, the way it goes. I guess from the outside perspective, you would I would assume that only enhances that artist. Well, yeah, that's that's what I told told the attorney. You know, I, I said, look, I'll, I'll work with you. I'll work with the estate. I'll I'll even give you a portion, a percentage of my profit from each show. And he he was just not interested. He was a brick wall. He was, mm. it was done. And and I, obviously, I'm out there promoting the the artist. I've got people that are going to go out and buy his records because For sure. I'm exposing the yep. artist to them. But um, Merle's last wife wanted nothing to do with any of that. She, mm. She's just not not communicable. Not. She's not budging. So, and that, but you're still playing these days. You yeah, oh, yeah. Play, you've just played the other night. Yeah, I work all the time. I just had, you know, I had five gigs over the last six days. So, yeah, I'm working. I'm playing drums and and singing. I, I I've got a, a a track show that I do, and I and that's uh, been very successful for me. Um, so I'm doing well with that, and I'm playing drums with with various people. I was out playing with the BG's tribute last night at Crooners. So, oh wow, yeah. So let me ask you this, Bobby. With uh, going back, we talked about your first concert you went to back in the days of folk music, which of course, under Bob Dylan was under that banner when, Absolutely. when he came out. Absolutely. Um, if you were setting up a concert that you wanted to see, and you could build three acts, who would they be? Oh man. That's an interesting story. That's an interesting question, rather. Um, well, I, it'd be very diverse. I would probably, you know, one of my favorite bands ever was Little Feet with uh, Lowell George when he, when he was in the band. So I would, I would bring that band back. Um, and, and then another one of my favorite bands was Weather Report. 
So I, I would bring them back. And and then and then probably the, the third the third one and there would be a lot more that I'd be missing here, but probably a big band like the Buddy Rich Orchestra wow. or something like that. So yeah, that would be my my dream show, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Now as you drive away from here, did you go? I should have said that. Should've. You know, there's yeah. Well, of of all the concerts you did, and I, I think it's hard to pick out uh, the most unique or entertaining one, but among the most memorable shows that you've done through the years, what stands out? Now you mentioned being down in Mexico, of course. I, yeah, I, I, um, a, a few of them. I, I went out on the road with Alexander O'Neill playing drums with Alex. He wasn't, Alex wasn't a huge act in the States, but he was huge in Europe, e enormous in England. We, we played uh, Wembley stadium, 10, uh, not stadium arena, which is adjacent to the stadium. We played Wembley Arena ten nights in a row, and sold sold out every night. So we we it was sixteen thousand a night. And we we so we played for one hundred and sixty thousand people. That when we got to the show, it was like uh, we had a police escort. The it's so weird because people in the U.S. don't even know who Alex is, mm -hmm. but he was so big in England. I mean, it was it was. Really a, a a cool experience, and that 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 was really fun. We were on the road with Gladys Knight and the Pips. Oh, that's right. And yeah. and Gladys, it was Gladys's last run with the Pips. So I was on that whole tour, and I I played a lot of uh, stadiums with Stevie Wonder, Aretha Franklin, um, Luther Vandross. Um, you, you know, it was a huge. Those are monsters. It in was the monster. Wow. You know, but on the on the on the R and B side, on the black side of of pop music, you know, so that was really a great experience. I got, I was the only uh, tan guy in the band, and uh, you know, so I I got in, in experiences that most people don't get in, don't have never seen. I mean, mm -hmm. I you know, Alex would take me out places in New York City that would that you know white people just didn't go to. And I, I, I was in a lot of environments like that, and it was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So I, I, I really enjoyed that whole experience. And um, the other, the other thing was simply when I played drums with Bonnie Raitt. Bo playing, playing drums with Bonnie was. Bonnie and I are, are, are good friends. We, we, we talk a lot. Like she is with Ricky as Ricky Peterson as well, but playing with her was, uh. A dream come true. It really was because I admired her so much, and so it was kind of like being on the same stage with Gladys Knight. All those, oh, I can't imagine. Shows. So when you're when you're first out there with Gladys Knight or Stevie Wonder or Luther Vandross, yeah. and it's like a Hall of Fame here. Yeah, are, were you nervous, or just well, once I, the music hits you, you know I, what you're doing? You know, it's funny, uh, Dave. When when you play big shows, I don't know. You could talk to different people and they might say different things, but when we were, we would play, uh, stadiums for 65,000, I was less nervous on those shows than I was being in a smaller club with, with Alex because of in the club, you, you have direct eye eyesight with the, with the patrons. And, and so you're, you're, it's right there, you know, and mm -hmm. that, that can be a little bit more nerve wracking for me. The first show I did in a big stadium was, um, 
Lond- in London at uh, Heathrow, uh, Arena, uh, not Heathrow, uh, Wembley Arena, and for six sixteen thousand, and I was nervous on that yeah. one because it was the first time I did it. But I, I quickly, I quickly got used to it. You know, probably that maybe a good thing that happened early in your career when you were had the organ player with you, and then go to that you have uh, Doug Maynard when you start with Passage staring at you. And yeah. that probably took it, it. That's probably all you needed to get rid that's, of that nervousness. That's very insightful, Dave. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, um, yeah, I mean, things like that, experiences like that do things to you that you don't realize at the time they're doing. Yeah. Um, you either run away from that stuff or you would embrace it. And I was always one to embrace everything. I mean, I just embraced you have such a long career in radio i i admire you so much you're doing a great job today Uh, i can tell you just bring such professionalism with you and i have a lot of respect for you um and and i i know that getting into radio for me the first time i did it which i did you know when i was 60 years old um 10 years ago i i i was a nervous wreck um, but I, but I embraced it, you know, and I, I was asked to, to do a live show and I said, Oh, you, you gotta be kidding me. I can't do a live show. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. But I said, yeah. but my answer was yes. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always been that person to, yeah, to, to just dig in. And I know you, you're the same kind of guy. Otherwise you wouldn't be where you are today. And, you know, kudos to you, man, for, well, for the career you've had in, in radio and, uh, it's it's all over you. I can I can tell you're just a. It's an honor to be here with you because you're you're a total pro. Well, I think uh, in response, I'd say I tug at the hem of your musical garment because you know my dad was a musician and my uncles and my uh, wife is actually a good piano player and and I just admire the work that goes into it. You know, we're talking about golf and you're talking about the pro out there that's hitting twenty shots and they're all with yeah. three, four, which would be a wonderful experience that I know I will never have the chance to do. But yeah. Um, Musicians. I mean, you're talking about your buddy going 10 hours a day on the trombone. Yeah. So what you've earned or what you've done, it isn't like you didn't earn it, right? I mean, you didn't show up for a gig and start playing. You had to work at it. Right, right. And and you got to take on the challenges. Yeah. And when the challenges come on, like, like, like you had the perfect example was that moment when I looked out and saw Doug Maynard. That was one of those moments mm-hmm. that one of many – but it was just one you either embrace it and and do something with it or you or you walk away and and nothing happens you know so yeah i think you and i probably have that in common where we just forge forward yeah yeah what are you going to yeah. do when you, you know, deal with the situation? Yeah. Hey, um, Learn from it. Is there a website that people can go to for you, Bobby? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't You're know. You're like I'm, me. I'm yeah. horrible. I, uh-huh. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm so bad at, at, at uh, self-promotion yeah. and, and all <laughs> that. I, I watch yeah. what, what, what people have accomplished through self-promotion, like people like Corey Wong. It's just absolutely astounding what that kid has done using social media, you know, and now playing concerts all over the world. And he did it all with social media. I'm, I'm lucky to write emails. I, I, I I don't know. I I don't think I have a website right now. I'm, I tell you what though, I'm, 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 I'm going to try to get better. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's never too late. Another new challenge. Yeah, yeah. right with you. I, I, gr- I grew up not being a um, a self promoter. I, I always was one to let my. I know you're uncomfortable talking about yourself. Yeah, I, I wanted to let my work uh, speak for me. Well, it's done a nice I, job of that. I never. My father raised me that way. My mother raised me that way. You know, just be humble and and let people uh, let other people speak for you. You know, I'm. I don't. I like to draw the attention away from myself. That's just kind of my character. But but then again, I I had. You have to have a healthy ego to be uh, to be a success in this business, but you you can't be it can't be the kind of ego where you're where you're a pain in the you know what yeah yeah and 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 I've never I've tried to I've I've tried to hold true to that you know I'm I'm so self promotion runs against my my grain. Yeah, I can I can understand that, and and it, it's the beauty when you perform with a Bonnie Raitt or a Gladys Knight, whoever, to see how they handle themselves, and if they handle themselves well, and they're megastars like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to be learned. Yeah, and more times than not, you find out that those people that you 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 look to look up to are are really amazing human beings. You know, they they didn't get there solely on their ability. They they got there because they're they're really good human beings and strong, strong people. Hey, uh, Bobby, before we let you go, I do have to ask you about the Midtown Blues and Funk Fest coming up here on Saturday, July 22nd. Yeah, I know you got one of my favorites in there, Walter Trout, but you have just an amazing lineup, and you are heavily involved this year. I, I am. You know, we, we uh, Jazz 88, 88.5, we're, we're sponsoring the event. We're the main sponsors, and, and I'm very proud to, to be involved with them. And and I'm going to be emceeing the event, and I'm also playing drums with with two of the acts that are going to be there, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's a free event. Are you kidding me? Come on. Yeah. And 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 there's blues in your background. You know, we talk about your, all the music that you've uh, embraced, which is pretty much every genre, and blues you've, you've played with some great ones, and, and, and you're the – uh, I mean, you you knew and met Muddy Waters. Yeah, we worked with Muddy Waters a number of times, wow. and and Albert Albert Collins, mm-hmm. and and uh, a, a lot of wonderful uh, old old blues men. And um, you know, I played with uh, played drums with Roy Buchanan, uh, and I also uh, you know we I played with Lamont Cranston for years. You know, uh, a local group, but. Everybody's a local somewhere. I mean, right? <laughs> Lamont right. Cranston is a is a bona fide blues band, and uh, the the Blues Brothers kind of followed them around to kind of get a feel for what it was like to be in a in a blues band. So they're, they're bona fide players. Pat Hayes is a a real blues man. Did you ever work with Sam Moore or get to know Sam? I played Moore? drums with Sam Moore. Wow, I did. Yes, I'm very proud of that. Rehearsed with him in my apartment. Oh my! He and, he and his wife came down to my apartment. We rehearsed. <laughs> uh, what what an experience and what an honor that was to to uh, play and get to know Sam and his wife. Sam, of course, from Sam and Dave. Yeah, and I uh, thought of him because you mentioned the Blues Brothers. Yeah, man. I mean, wow that that was a. I sometimes I forget some of the experiences I've had. That was a really that was a really good one. I hope you chronicle some of this and are able to write it down at some point. But I've this... forgotten more than I can remember, Dave. You <laughs> and know maybe how that's it is. good. And maybe <laughs> that's good. It's, in a way it is, yeah. <laughs> and this is going to be on Raymond Avenue at Dual Citizen Brewing. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, and it, it's uh, Saturday, the twenty second, July twenty second, and Walter Trout. And well, you can you can tell the lineup there, but we, we kick off at noon, uh, and and it's a free event, and we're going to go all the way until I believe ten o'clock at night. So. Wow. Yep. Well, and you'll, you'll see Bobby playing and emceeing. So he's got his plate full. Walter Trout, as mentioned, Corey Stevens, Mick Sterling. Of course, Mick and you are good buddies, I know. Yep. Uh, Jelly Bean Johnson. Uh, yep. uh, Davide, you've just been chatting with him not too long ago. Kendra Glenn, Lisa Wenger. And what a lineup. Yeah, a okay. really good lineup. Really, really good. We're going to do the Mick Sterling and the Stud Brothers down there. That's the uh, the Mick Sterling mothership, as it were. Uh, been band been together for you know 30 35 years or so so it's a 10-piece horn band and that's going to be smoking and i'm going to be playing in that band and also i'll be playing with jelly bean johnson who is a a dear dear friend of mine we we go back many years and i'm honored to play with with uh jelly bean uh, for a number of reasons one because he's the drummer in the time mm -hmm. but he also plays guitar so i'm honored that he has chosen me to play drums with with him on that on that show yeah, well, kudos to you for. I mean, they, they don't take you just because uh, they they like you. You got to be good. Yeah. So, wow, that's great. Well, that's the Midtown Blues and Funk Fest Saturday, July twenty second. As you mentioned, Dual Citizen Brewing, seven twenty five Raymond Avenue in Saint Paul, and get out and see uh, Bobby and all the great acts out there. And uh, and if you haven't seen Walter Trout, you won't be disappointed. Walter is a killer player. There is no doubt about it. Bobby, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate the time. Uh, I know it's uh, busy for you, but gosh, great having you here. Thank you for joining I, us. I had a blast, Dave. It was an honor to be interviewed by you. You're a, you're a pro, obviously, and a class act, and I, I have a lot of respect for you. So thank you very much. Well, the feeling is mutual. Thank you. He is Bobby Vandell. Uh, Davide is our producer here on My First Concert. We're back next week again. Our thanks to the folks out at ChanhassenDT.com for joining us. Uh, Propane.com. There's some interesting things to find out there. AquariusHomeServices.com. We're in the AquariusHomeServices.com studios, by the way. Got special deals right now, so I'd hurry in the next couple weeks and get that done. StarBank. Our bank here at Talk North. It's StarBank.net. And by you care. So thanks for joining us here. We'll see you next week on my first concert. Remember, we're on Apple, Spotify, talknorth.com, where we have a number of great podcasts, too, a lot of sports podcasts. So join us next week. We'll see you then.